Hello and Merry Christmas from Daddy OFM. Thanks for joining us and supporting the show. We're getting some great feedback and have a growing list of fantastic guests for the new year. Photographers, editors, actors, musicians, stylists, directors and designers. We hope to give you an inside look at the creative industries. To get you through to 2016, I would like to present you with our pilot episode with celebrity hairstylist Campbell McCauley, who was very generous to do our first episode. It's an amazing show with one of my favorite stories of all time at the end. So forgive the rough edits and the occasional reference to Radio Fairfax and enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to Daddy OFM, broadcasting live from West Hollywood, California. Joining us today in the studio is hairstylist to the stars, Campbell McCauley. We're talking Leo, Cameron, and his new show on HSN. I'm your host, Jonathan Bukalel, so sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hello, Campbell, and welcome to Daddy OFM. Hey, mate, how are you? Very well, thank you for joining me today. I'm very excited to be talking to you. Uh, just in the, in the spirit of openness, Campbell is my cousin. We don't look anything... Let's not go there. We don't look anything alike, but we, we are brothers in arms. Well, one of us got the looks, didn't they? <laughs> <laughs> Luckily, this is radio. <laughs> I want to talk to you about your time in Los Angeles and your, your time with, uh, with celebrities and celebrity hairdressing. Now, tell me, when did you first come to L.A.? I came to L.A. first time in 96... And I never thought in a million years I would ever be in Los Angeles. It was so nothing in my short and long future and planning and my career. Uh, I was very blessed, actually, when I was in Sydney that I met uh, my agent, who I still have today, and uh, we met uh, three friends, actually, mutual friends of ours. Oh, yeah, uh, <laughs> and what's your agent's name? Patty Cassover. And she basically said to me, was I ever interested in going to L.A.? And being 20-something years of age and full of confidence and being cocky, I basically said, yeah, make me an offer I can't refuse, the old classic. <laughs> Never thinking anything would ever turn out. And then two weeks later she goes, well, guess what, Campbell? We've got you an airplane ticket from Sydney, Australia. You're going to London to do the press premiere press junket of Romeo and Juliet where I worked with Claire Danes. <clears throat> which was absolutely fantastic. I love it to death. And uh, that's where I first met Leonardo DiCaprio. Wow, that's amazing. That's, the first, that's a great first uh, job to, to, to have um, out of Los Angeles. Um, so tell us about that first job. You flew directly to London from Sydney or had you moved to L.A.? No, I was still in Sydney. I was just closing up things there because I was ready to move back into Europe or New York. And then this just suddenly sort of got thrown on the table. Um, and so I didn't know what to expect, you know. I, I, I remember going to the job because, you know, in the past I was a freelance fashion hairdresser. So I was used to working with models. I wasn't used to working with publicists or agents or managers or, or Paramount Pictures. It was just meant to be very small crews. And all of a sudden here I am with like a full room of people just putting me on like, you know, judgment, saying, well, can this guy do it or not? And um, I did, and uh, it was a lot of fun. So it was probably, it was probably, it, I, I counted it as equivalent as the first time I cut someone's hair. How nervous <laughs> that, I was. that amount of pressure. <laughs> that amount of pressure, yeah. Uh, but it must have been good to, to, for you to have had some experience in London, some, spent some time in there to have your first job on the celebrity side of things actually in London and on this press junket. Um, how, how, tell, tell us what exactly is a press junket? Look, a press junket is basically where the international press, uh, which is called the foreign press, which is called, which vote on the Golden Globe Awards, they are the judges on the, the, the foreign press, and domestic press, which is the American press. And so basically what happens is, is that the first day you do print roundtables, which is basically where all the magazines and newspapers sort of put a recording, like we're doing right now, in front of you, and they ask questions and you answer it for radio and all those sort of subjects. Um, and then uh, you go into TV, which is two days, basically being in a hotel room with the billboard poster behind you, 
having about 30 interviews a day, people just constantly walking in, asking you the same question and same question and same question. 30 interviews a day? Plus, 30 and plus. And, and you're having to do the, have the exact same do for each one? Yeah, and, yeah, 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 yeah. That's exactly right. right. And it's very, it's a long hours and it's a lot of sitting around, but a lot of fun. Awesome. No, no wonder the celebrities sound slightly crazy on some of those uh, press junket <laughs> interviews. And yes, they have gone crazy. <laughs> <laughs> and so that was the first time you um, met Leonardo DiCaprio, uh, yeah. Leo as you like to call him, of course, yeah. as he's well known internationally. Um, so uh, if that was the first time, uh, tell me more about your time with Leo and, 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 and how you got on with him and, and uh, you worked on Titanic with him, I believe. Yeah, um, <clears throat> I first met Leo at, on, at the premiere party, uh, Romeo and Juliet in London. Um, and we had a few drinks, we had a laugh, and I met his agent, who was a very good friend, sorry, his manager, who was a very good friend of mine, uh, Rick Yuan. Um, and we just got on, and they were like, are you coming to LA? And I'm like, yeah. So after that, I flew uh, to Los Angeles um, to sort of set up camp and get ready to really give it a shot, since that was such a hit in the park for the first outing. Um, and the next, in that week, which is just so bizarre, I remember my agent basically saying to me, oh, by the way, you're working with this new up-and-coming actress, uh, Kate Winslet. And I'm like, now you got to understand, again, I'm all fashion. I've been doing supermodels hair and, and big models hair in Australia and in Europe. And I remember classically saying, who's that? <laughs> what, uh, uh, and who's Kate Winslet? And I remember telling her that story when we first met. We, and we both fell off the, our chairs laughing and realised we had the same sense of humour. And we got on like a house on fire. And uh, she then told me that, you know, she's doing a, a movie in Tijuana about a sinking ship called Titanic. And I'm like, <laughs> what's Titanic stupidly saying that? Um, lo and behold, that movie has changed my life because from that outing when I first met Kate, and I didn't realise Leo did the movie with her, we actually all rekindle again on the press junket of Titanic where... I've got to give you guys perspective of this. It was like that movie was so big that it was like being with the Beatles. Yeah, that must have been crazy. Like I remember when Titanic came out, it was a bit of an unexpected hit but went huge and it was one of the yeah. biggest films that it was ever made and made the most money ever. And so what, what must have been, you know, you must have been used to doing just a regular press junket and then, as you say, you're suddenly on tour with the Beatles and touring the world and because everyone went crazy for Leo and Kate after that uh, after that movie oh it, it was like seeing two people well one person that was already becoming a teen idol obviously from the success of Romeo and Juliet but then seeing on the other side an English actress that was very well respected from a dramatic role and then basically being thrown straight into the into superstardom where you know, I saw her really go through it and, and find, find her way through it. Because when we would get in a car going from the Four Seasons Hotel to, say, The Tonight Show, which is in the Valley, anyone who's listening in Los Angeles, you know what I'm talking about. Of all my years of doing that route and doing press junkets, that is the only time where at every stop sign we had about 50 to nearly 80 world press <laughs> and fans stop the car asking for autographs and banging on windows. Amazing. It, Amazing. Was, it was a phenomenon like nothing I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, because it, it doesn't get that, that, that crazy. I mean, it's kind of crazy at the, the red carpet things with all the fans and everything, but yeah, you don't exactly see uh, fans chasing cars down the road, but Titanic was just such a huge success and such a huge hit, the biggest movie of it of all time at the time. Yeah. Um, it, it must have been great fun. And so were you, were you uh, just hanging with Kate or were you rolling with Leo as well? Well, at that stage I was with Kate because I really were, was a female hairdresser. Um, and then because Kate and I were doing all the press junkets, I started working with Leo. Leo basically um, asked me to start working with him and doing his grooming and, and, uh, and giving him a haircut. I remember taking away that gorgeous Romeo and Juliet haircut that he had, the long sort of side sort of, you know, 
uh, Harvard-looking haircut and gave him <laughs> a devil's haircut, which was the haircut in the time. And that was a bit of a coup because it's sort of the first time in my life I actually... Uh, what do you mean by a, a devil's haircut? Well, back in, the, back in the mid to late 90s, you know, snowboarding was really taking off and people used to just have those real messy kind of punk... Are you referring to the sun? I'm referring <laughs> to the sun. And Jonathan, you'll have to explain what the sun is. Now, I, now I, I will always take credit for this haircut. I had a haircut that I might think was short and, short and spiky, basically. And then Campbell told me that he, when I came back to Sydney, he was like, oh, yeah, so and like he saw the haircut, thought that looked good. Next we are thing, all artists. We, we get inspired. Yeah. And the next thing you know, everyone in Sydney had the same haircut, inspired by me, of course. And so Campbell named it The Sun and... Uh, Gave the haircut to Leo, so I remember him telling me, and, and he asked, well, what's this cut called? And, then, and, 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 and without, without skipping a beat, Campbell called it, well, it's the sun. Of it's course. the sun. And it became, it, it became a, a, a movement in men's hairdressing. Um, which was very cool, very cool to watch. Which we'll both take credit for, of course. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I remember, I've got to tell you this, because back in the day, you know, Press junkets were about five days long, and right. then and then there was then you do the premiere of the, on the fifth day night, and you do a party. And we did it at the Man's Chinese Theatre, the premiere of Titanic. And in those days, there was a huge parking lot all the way around. But now it's a shopping mall. And oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. That was a huge parking lot. It was right. empty space. Well, I've never seen this to this day in any press junket party or movie premiere party. They brought the whole entire ship from Tijuana and filled it in that parking You're lot. Kidding me. And so I walked the plank into the Titanic. <laughs> You're me. No, it was unbelievable. <laughs> it's amazing. And party like yeah. a rock star. Wow, that you did. With all the Do Royal Dalton plates. And yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, did they have it all kitted they out? Had with it, all, all, it was wow. all original, what the Titanic yeah, would amazing. have had there. It, was, it, it, it really was phenomenal, but yeah. it was a hell of a party too. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Um, it kept going for months. Mm. Like, it was just a juggernaut. And I remember distinctly going out, like, we were in different sort of clubs around Los Angeles, uh, Leo or Kate, and we'd be sitting there, and I've never felt so terrified in my life where the whole club <laughs> just, just was squashing you, and we had to always run out. And again, going back to that Beatles thing, yeah, it was just it's so... A, yeah, it's I've never really experienced yeah. at that level, and to see it, like, happen from a perspective of uh, uh, someone who's part of the team and just watch, watching people lose their private life right. overnight was right. something really unique to see. So let's uh, move on to when you started working full-time in LA and uh, you started shooting celebrities more for covers. There was a time when, when the covers of magazines were mostly models and it was rarely, rarely a, a celebrity on a cover, but that, that changed. Can you talk us uh, through that time? I'm, I'm laughing right now because, again, I go back to the comment I made earlier. I remember, um, see, when I came to Los Angeles, having that success, everyone wanted to start working with me and they wanted to see my book. And my book in those days were fashion covers of models or fa all fashion stories. And I remember publicists and managers going, but what celebrities do you do? Like there's Vogue covers, there's L covers, but what celebrities have you worked on? Actually, John, our friends, that unique time we all lived in London, right. everyone started getting into positions of sort of importance in magazines in America and also in England. So when they saw my name, they were like, well, we, and at that time too, you've got to remember, Celebrities became supermodels in themselves. They took over the covers like you were talking about. Right. And so magazines love me. They're like, oh, my God, Campbell's in Los Angeles. He knows how to do celebrities. He knows the hair we want because that's really important. Doing fashion hair is very different than doing salon work or doing celebrity hair. It, it, it takes its own certain discipline to do. And so at this stage... Well, if I can interrupt, Campbell... Uh Talk, take us through that. What, what, how is the approach different to doing celebrity hair? What's, what are you trying to achieve in the end? Like I know with fashion, you're trying to, 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 to get a look, an emotion, something that's on trend, something that's yeah, up yeah, to date. Yeah. What's the approach for when you are, sh are doing a celebrity's hair? Yeah, look, for, well, from my perspective, my role, and, and this is how I see celebrity hair, is that we take 
what is coming out of magazines. A, a freelance fashion hairdresser is giving you art, is get working with a photographer, makeup artist, and a styler, stylist, and creating art, creating unique pieces to make the, the, the clothes look fantastic with edgy hair or beautiful hair. So really what celebrity hairdressers do is we take that and we make it commercial. We break it down and we make it more viable for you, the listener or the viewer, to be able to have themselves. And that's what celebrity hairdressing is all about. Keeping it current, but always having that balance of commercial and edgy. Right, right. So it's an, appro uh, it's an approachable version of, of an editorial look. Absolutely. And if anyone says it isn't, they're, they're lying. We all look at the magazines. We all go <laughs> online. We all get inspired like the sun haircut. That's of course. <sighs> Never hear the end of that. Never hear the end of it. No. And so we were talking earlier, and, and you mentioned that the, the, the approach <laughs> to shooting uh, with actors is a little bit different now and it's uh, now it's very very controlled and, and each dress each item yeah. is strictly controlled but you were saying that in in the early days when celebrities were starting to be used for fashion magazines it was a it was a bit more of a case of fancy dress rather than than anything else because the actors weren't really used to being shot like models well yeah the, yeah it, it, it was i always remember when i i finished my apprenticeship in london um, when I work with freelance hairdressers and established freelance hairdressers, they always told me about the good old days in the 80s where you were, it was highly creative, where you would go in and shoot, you know, two or, two or three stories a day. You would be, you know, constantly inspired, creating all kinds of different images and really let go. And a lot of the hairdressers and makeup artists I assisted in those days were actually artists but did hair and makeup to make money because they couldn't make money through art. So right. they made it through in that way. So it came from art. So working with the celebrities in Hollywood, you've got to understand, photographers were used to shooting models. Actresses were used to acting. They weren't, they're not used to posing and how to sell a, 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 an outfit. So in a lot of ways, it was it was it was working with photographers that were working with photographers that were trying to find that fashion feel that we'd normally get from a model, and at the same time doing hair that you know. Let's be honest with you, unless you're a very very skinny or a six foot giant, you know you can have much more different edgier looks than actresses are more like normal people where you have to adapt that. So it was a really kind of interesting experience where you were let go to create. And I always think back and I always remember those days of thinking back of what, when I assisted hairdressers telling me what it was like. So I kind of relive that with the birth of celebrity hairdressing. Yeah, and, and as a photographer, it, it is a completely different approach when you're shooting a model to, to uh, shooting a celebrity because you know with a model, it, it's something that you mold and you add to. And of course they bring a certain personality to it, but they're used to doing being in front of a still camera and making s still poses and, and working with a still camera every day. And it's a completely different approach oh, to, to, uh, to being in front of a, of a movie camera. And so I'm, su I'm always surprised at how fragile uh, the celebrities are when, when faced with having to do a still photo because it, it's, it's, it's a bit confronting because it's, it's a hundredth of a second split second of, of their face, there's no music, there's no, nothing else to, to go with it, so there's no lines to, re to, 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 to read or repeat. And so they're just faced with them and often a black canvas, blank canvas behind them and don't know what to do themselves. So it, it's a completely different approach. We all were learning on the fly. Right. Like there was no blueprint how to do this. So it was crazy, it was stressful, it was so f fantastic, it was so exhilarating to sort of do looks and to see your looks on covers of magazines which is a first when you're seeing celebrities from that perspective and so it was a really exciting time and it was a time where you know it was like when i used to do fashion weeks uh, you know around the world you, i always felt so exhausted but felt so good like i really gave so much i was so creative but i was always tired and it felt like that as well i always was happy 
waking up and, and, and finding out what the next job was. And in those days, you know, I, I had to fight to get a day off. Right. Uh, yeah, and I, I know what you mean, because it's deeply satisfying when you've done something creative and you know you've actually done something special and you know that this will come out. I mean, it's, it, it's one, of, one of the reasons of why we work in this industry for, is for, for those moments. The challenges. You're only as good, son, as the last <laughs> bit of hair you've done. Remember, That's right. That is the golden rule in freelance hairdressing. You're only as good as the last piece of work you've done. So how, how have things changed now? Like how, how, how are things now compared to how it was when you first started in Hollywood? One word. Selfies. <laughs> <laughs> Selfies has changed everything. You know, before the day, it was very hard getting a celebrity to sort of, you know, pose a certain way. Now with their own cameras, they're shooting at home and right. editing and doing all they want to do to produce a beautiful shot. Now, that has really changed my game because in the days, that was magazines. You know, magazines would take selfies and publish right. them every month. And that's right. where everyone would watch and blah, blah. So that's where work has really been halved because mm. people now are just shooting it and posting it straight then and there. And yeah, that was, that was a yeah. defining point in my career too when all that started really taking, taking shape and form. Mm. I started realising, you know, well, hey, you know, celebrity hairdressing is changing now and, and I've always lived in, in the world of nothing is forever. You seize the moment in, in, in the now and you, you constantly live in the present and keep evolving. And so I remember, you know, a good five years ago or four years ago, I got dates with my brain, um, is I, I had an epiphany where I started realizing, okay, I've got to, I've got to look, look outside the box here and see, and see the future and try and put myself in a situation where I'm still on the cutting edge and I'm growing with the industry rather than, you know, being stuck in a situation of where do I go? And I was very proud of myself uh, at seeing that quickly and moving quickly. Right. Well, let's let's um, let's let's talk more about some of the celebrities you, you've done. And and um, you know, one of my favourite actors as growing up with Star Wars was, of course, Harrison Ford. And in <laughs> <laughs> and I know um, I know you still work with him after many years. It's like you, I remember I was over at Campbell's house and. I was sitting there and the phone rang and he started going, oh, yes, 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 oh yeah, of course, of course. And he got off the phone to me, looked at me and goes, that was Harrison Ford. <laughs> God love him. I do love Harrison. He's a great guy. Uh, yeah, that's actually the first time I have ever been stage fright. Right. Because right. it wasn't Harrison Ford to me. It was... Han Solo, Han Solo yeah. Indiana Jones, yeah. and I'm like, oh my god, oh my god, I'm not worthy. And he has shaking, a bit of, uh, shaking. And he has a bit of a reputation of not wanting to talk about those days. And so you not must have all. been in that that place of of desperately wanting to kind of talk about Star Wars with Han Solo, but knowing that if you mention it, you will just blow it everything. So yeah, it, it, it's funny that that. that but how you don't get starstruck, but then all of a sudden you meet one of your childhood heroes <laughs> and everything kind of goes out the window. I wanted so badly to say, thank you, Mr. Solo. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but I couldn't. And he would have just given you a look. Oh, he would have given me that grumpy look he has, but he's got a beautiful heart. and he's, oh, yeah, He seems like a great guy. Yeah, yeah. You know, we all have our moments. But, you know, but yeah, no, Harrison has been un unbelievable um, in, in my career in many ways. Um, what was the first thing you did with him? Um, the first thing that I worked with Harrison, well, actually, uh, Callista Flockhart is a client right. of mine. And that's how I met oh, Harrison, okay. because they're together and they have a child together. We all uh, remember Alec McBeal. Yeah, which, which I did. I did all the press for Alec McBeal with, with her, Callista, who I love too. And so Harrison would, uh, when I always come and say really nice things, saying you make my my girl look great, and she, I thank you, thank you, thank you. And I was always like thanks. And the next thing he was like, can you come and cut my hair? And I'm like, ah, <laughs> right. uh, 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 you know, if you ever see the Lego Movie where Emmett goes, e <laughs> that is one of those times. Um, but yeah, so <clears throat> I started doing. I started uh, if I can interrupt, Campbell has a lovely daughter, and so yes, I'm sure he's seen the Lego movie about 20, 30 times. Yes, I have, and my client was in it too, and my, go my gorgeous daughter loves that movie. Um, so yeah, so one of the first jobs that we did 
was um, he wanted Callista... He wanted Callista Flockhart to come to Cannes Film Festival because they were launching in the last Indiana Jones movie. Um, and so he was so nice by saying, can you get Callista? I want her to do the red carpet. And can you get Campbell and her makeup artist? I want him to take care of blah, 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 blah. And they were staying at a hotel at Hotel du Cap in Cannes, which is a very beautiful hotel on a point there. It's where everyone, all the stars kind of stay when they're promoting their movies at Cannes. And I remember um, Harrison saying, Campbell, come downstairs at the bar and come and have a drink. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, sure, man, because we both love tequila. And, um, and I'm like, yeah, man, let's go down. And I turned around. There's a small bar at the hotel, the cap. And I remember walking around seeing Harrison say, oh, come over. And I sit, and I sit there and next thing... Hello, Mr. Spielberg. Lovely to meet you. <laughs> and I remember seeing the one and only Star Wars, George Lucas. Sitting oh, no there. way. Yeah, yeah, wow. yeah. And I'm thinking, oh, God. <laughs> 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 and, uh, and we had a really nice time where they were having a few drinks before they were going down for the premiere. And um, that's that, that was a that was an amazing experience. I bet that, that's amazing. Like the, the, you know, two two cinematic heroes to both of us, I'm sure. And they couldn't have been more down to earth, non talking about the industry, more about life, oh, and cool. good blokes. Oh, great! That's yeah. good. Good to know. And are there, are there any other little celebrity stories you have for us? Is there anyone else that you'd like to talk about? Oh, I've got I've I've got to let this one out. This, All right, come th on. Th this one here. You're, go. you're gonna love this. So we were doing, I was with Denise Richards and uh, I did a lot of the Bond movies and Denise, as you all know, was a Bond girl. And we were invited to, she was invited, shall I say, to go to the MTV um, European Music Awards right. in Dublin. Oh, the European MTV Awards. Those yeah. are always the, 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 the crazy ones. Oh, one. the crazy ones. So after Denise did her thing, we're sitting in her dressing room and knock on the door and it's Mick Jagger. <laughs> And I'm going, oh, my God, oh, my God. Of course, God. it's Mick. Mick Jagger. Mick comes in and he goes, hey, Denise and guys, we're going to an Iggy Pop concert. You should really, you should, you guys should come. And I'm, Denise's like, what do you think? I'm like, how do you yeah, say no to that? Yeah, we're going. <laughs> so we go to this great old bar, old, it's not an old bar, what am I saying? It's an old, it was an old theater uh, uh, in, in downtown Dublin where we're upstairs on the balcony and I'm standing there next to Denise and Mick Jagger is behind me. And I remember, I remember seeing Bono and Iggy Pop on the stage. At the bottom, at the bottom it was Iggy Pop on the stage singing uh, Lust for Life or one of those songs. And then I see Bono climb over the balcony and start hanging onto the balcony, <laughs> letting it go, Woo! <laughs> and I'm thinking, oh shit, this is crazy. And then, and then Iggy's on the stage going, jump, jump, oh, no. jump. <laughs> so he starts crawling over, coming towards me on the balcony. I'm sitting here, Denise is looking at me going, what? And then he stops and he grabs me and he goes, don't let me go. And I'm like, all right, I'm holding Bono. I'm holding Bono. He's leaning over going, woo. And Iggy pops going, let him go, let him go. So there I was holding Bono and he's going, let, don't let me go. And then Iggy Pop saying, jump, let him go, let him go. And then all of a sudden, this person from behind jumps on my shoulders. I'm holding <laughs> Mick Jagger on my shoulders. Oh, no. Bono, and he's going, let him go, let him go. And I'm thinking, is that? And I just, and I remember looking at Denise going, I think this is my rock and roll <laughs> moment. This this could not be. This, I, I'm not worthy, but I fuck yeah. Did someone awesome. take a photo? This is fucking oh. awesome. Oh, I wish. Those were the days where yeah, you didn't have no, cell phones yeah. like that. Oh, well, I guess that those were the days before cell phone cameras. That's when the rock stars are jumping off balconies. Oh, no there's many other stories I could talk about that night, but that's for a different show. That is but, for a different show. <laughs> but, yeah, so that was, that was an amazing time period in my life, to, having all that happen. That's great. That's great. Well, how, how fun is that? And so let's talk more about uh, life in LA. What was what was your impression of LA when you when you've been here for how many years now? Oh, mate, I've been here. I can't believe it. I've been here for seventeen plus years. Wow, that's a long time. I look. I never thought. You know, someone always told me. My brother always told me he used to live here, Matthew. 
He always told me, he said, people either get Los Angeles or they don't. People that don't leave right. and the people that get it stay forever. Right. And I got it. Like, it, it, you know, I call Los Angeles the best transit lounge in the world because <laughs> people come here and they go. It's always moving because it's, you know, it's a one horse town. It's an entertainment industry. It's true. So there's always people coming here to be a success or people leaving trying to find success elsewhere. So I always just, you know, and also coming from Australia, man, I just really... I fucking love the weather. Yeah, it's really like I, I've just moved here and, and the one thing I was surprised about is how similar to Sydney it, it is with the gum trees and the weather and, and, you know, the beautiful blue skies and, and just the way of life here is very similar to Sydney and I didn't realise how much I missed it. But yeah, LA, LA is great. And how have you seen LA change over the years? I wish they all could be California <laughs> girls. That's I why knew, I'd rather come I on knew now. it would happen at one point. Well, East Coast. Down. No, man. It's changed over the years. It's, and we talked about this. We've always talked about this. It's changed because it's definitely become more of an international city. It's definitely got a, a true heartbeat. In those days, you know, I remember yeah, a, a celebrity photographer telling me, you know, um, why are you finished? Why did you only take 30 minutes to do the style? I need two hours. You're a celebrity hairdresser. It was very backwards. It just wasn't, it wasn't up to scratch right. of where the world were, right. was going in this street. And now I can really say it's, it's, it's parallel with all the major cities. It's certainly got its own heartbeat. It certainly has its own presence. It's certainly more a live place. You definitely have restaurants and the subculture is very similar to New York and London. So I love it from that because I've seen it grow from a small town into a major city. Yeah, and, and, and I've noticed that over the, especially over the last five years, it's really become a, a much more international town and not just you know, the old school Beverly Hills town that it used to be. And in, in especially in the last in the last year, you know, you know, Tom Ford has come to show in Palm Springs, and uh, and there was the big Burberry show up in the up at the Observatory, which is amazing. So people are starting to see LA as 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 more of a central hub rather than, as you said, the transit lounge. And uh, and, and I'm really excited to be here, and I can't wait to see uh, how LA is in in the next five years. Well, yeah. And I can't wait for that for you too. But yeah, I agree. I mean, one thing I think LA has given in the last decade is food. Yeah, absolutely. It is definitely the organic kind of style of Californian, Southern Californian, shall I say, Southern California cuisine. It's definitely taken the world on. You yeah. Know, I see more kale around the world now than I ever <laughs> did when it was really just in Los Angeles. <laughs> Damn that kale. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so that's great. Uh, let's. Um, I want to talk now about uh, the time that you uh, shot with Annie Leibovitz, one of the the world's greatest oh, yeah, photographers and one of my favourites. And you shot a lot with her for for for, Van for Vanity Fair. Can you tell me about that time? Yeah, um, I I met Annie actually shooting a Macy's um, campaign. Um, and um, we got on and she started asking me to work with her on some uh, Vanity Fair covers. Um, and that was just, oh my God, I'm not worthy, this is awesome. So I remember doing uh, my first real cover with Annie was the Jim Carrey one, which is iconic now where okay. it was all in white. Yeah, 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 I remember that well. And you would think... Amazing. Yeah, yeah, you would think that... You know, it was easy for me. It was just a short haircut. Yeah. You know, I had a great, I had a great introduction into Vanity Fair that way. <laughs> um, but what was unique about that was how hard it was to get him to look white. The process of that, where right. you think it's just throwing powder on right. the bite. No, that was a probably half a day to three quarters of a day process. Wow! And so the shooting actually was probably an hour max. Right. You know, and so, but it was really amazing seeing the artistry of Annie, where she would have a room with just storyboards of what she was envisioning this shoot to go with Jim. Now, Jim is is a very open-minded. He's a very spiritual guy. Obviously, he's extremely funny, um, and at the same time, you know, he doesn't want to be too, he doesn't want to be taken too. He wants to be taken seriously, but also have the edge of being a comedian. Mm. So, what I love what Annie did was that she had all these different styles of shooting 
Right. So he could pick and choose okay. where, it, where it was really oh, organic. That's yeah, it was yeah. really organic. And and he chose the most simplest. Now you gotta understand there was three right. or four studios of elaborate sets. Right. And right, he just right. chose, he said, you know what, I think we should do something like this, which Amazing. You know, to yeah. this day you still see that image. Yeah. Um, and so then from that we started doing uh, I'm very proud of this. Uh, we I shot with Annie the icon issue with all the women where you have the Hollywood issue and one year they changed it and they said let's make it the icon issue where you had all the big Academy Awards. Oh, so that was the first icon issue that you did? Yeah, yeah, the very first one. And um, so in those time I was working with Penelope Cruz and I love Penelope to death. She is a gorgeous human being. Um, and so she asked, you know, she was like, oh, I'm doing the uh, icon issue. And Annie's like, yeah, that's Campbell, can you do it? Because how she, Annie did it was, was she shot half in Paris. Right. She shot half in New York. And then she shot whoever was in Los Angeles. Now, I did all the Los Angeles hair. And so when she sh opened, when you open up the folder of the cover, they're the three different cities oh, all okay, merged into right. one. So we did Penelope and we shot Penelope in different positions. And... It was just something which it, it was it was wonderful, and I, I really felt wow, I hit it. You know, yeah. here I am, I'm doing that. You oh, know. listen, if you're shooting uh, Vanity Fair with Annie Leibovitz, you certain not only have you arrived, you've been there for quite a long time. Yeah, yeah, and it felt you know that's well said, Jono, because it did feel it was like I've been plugging at this for a good five six yeah. years, and here we are. Here we are. Yeah, here we are. In a room full of strangers. This would not be a regular thing on <laughs> Radio Fairfax. Uh, but it was unavoidable when you're speaking to Campbell. I'm surprised I've gone this long without, without him bursting into song once again. Yes, you told me off. But, uh. <laughs> so next uh, I'd like to speak about uh, American Idol. You, you worked on that for, for a long time? Yeah, I did an Idol for probably about four years. Okay. Now, I didn't do the the recording of Idol. Um, right. I did. I was brought in because um, uh, RCA were the label that had the contract with um, Idol to produce. They had the recording thing. Right. And was this right in the beginning? Yeah. Or, the first. Or, the, oh, the first yeah, season, the first season oh, okay, with wow. Kelly Clarkson. Oh, um, okay. Yeah. Right. And so I was brought in um, when it was the final eight. And then if you remember the final eight would go off and do a photo shoot and they would and we would start creating them a little bit more like in like a more of a, a mainstream commercial uh, singing artist right um, oh, so you'd it, be involved in like the makeovers yeah and, yeah, yeah so okay. we would go we would go to coyote studios at the time or smashbox and we would shoot them and that's where i'd met them and i met kelly and we were good friends um, I didn't start working with her then because once she left and she, she went off and did her own thing and since you've been gone, um, I sort of came and started working with her uh, probably two years after okay. that. Yeah. And then, and then the rest is history. I worked with Kelly for a good five, six, seven years, a majority of a lot of stuff that she's done and I love her. Um, and then I remember the third season, I think it was, was with Carrie Underwood and we started right. working with Carrie and then Carrie was... It was amazing seeing Carrie as a small little country girl to where she is now. Yeah, it's you amazing. Know. Like, uh, you know, Idol amazing. is an incredible phenomenon and, yeah. and, it, and it has worked. It may not work every season. There may not be a superstar come out of it, but, but, but they've got several, you know, several real superstars have come out of that show. And it's amazing you worked on the, on the early, early days of it as well because that is another iconic... A television program. Yeah, and I've got to be honest with you, it was really running without your head. They, it was a yeah. concept that they were finding yeah. as they go along. Yeah. I remember Kelly saying, they just gave me the song late last night and I've oh, got to really? sing it in the air. Like, it was really <laughs> like, you know, they went, you know, they really went for it. And, yeah. and, it, and, I, and it had to be that way. Yeah. Because that's what made it special. Yeah. And that's what created the drama. That's Absolutely. what created, you know, they had to find a way of conceptualizing it while doing it. Mm. Um, but yeah, no, it was great. And so I remember, remember seeing Carrie just blow up and, you know, seeing the small country girl turn into this, you know, huge sensation. But to this day, I always want to say that Ke Kelly was the one that went global. Yeah, no, she really did. She, she, she yeah. is, she is definitely the one that came out of there. And she was the first, and she mate, was the best, and mate, she's the most famous. Sing. They yeah. can sing, Jono. Yeah. Mate, mate, like, you, you hear them live. Yeah. 
they they are God's gift voices. I mean, oh, that, absolutely. That, that, that always blows me away. The power. Well, that's what it was. I mean, she was all talent, and she's adorable, and um, yeah, it was. You know, she was. Um, but it was great that the American Idol was there to 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 give her her voice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. So yeah, that was a. You know, even even I think the last person that I started working with before I bowed out of doing that was Catherine McPhee. Okay. Um, and you know, Catherine's now doing really well on a TV show, um, but that was another big moment in my life because uh, working with her and creating when she was part of the final eight, creating that big bouncy, sexy hair, curly mm. hairstyle, which kind of was a trademark of right. me. You know, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. you know, I gave Kate, you know, that bedhead. Cameron was doing bedhead. You know, I kind of, I kind of, my texture, the my, my thing that I really found for years that just kept working in Los Angeles was bedhead sexy look. Right. And I really got it down. Now, in those days, I used to go to Santa Monica Beach with a water spray bottle, fill it up with ocean water, <laughs> and that's what I, there was no product. Oh, so it was real, real was Santa real, Monica. Yeah, it was real, real California girl. And like it was Pacific it, I, Ocean water. Oh, yeah. I mean, Chris McMillan and I, we, that was our little golden that's, goose. That's but great. let's get yeah. real here, guys. You can only use it one day because the next day it stank oh, like did it? super yeah, of <laughs> so like shit. <laughs> and I remember one day I sprayed it in my client's hair. It's like, did you, oh, did you no. fart or something? Oh, I'm no. like, oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, no, you had bad. old so water. Old water. Oh, um, that's so, hilarious, Yeah, actually. and so doing that was, you know, doing that big sexy hair was great. And, you know, she got picked up with big hair care pro companies and and. and and it was actually from that, I, from her, I got introduced into what I'm doing now. It really was the beginning oh, really? through Catherine McPhee. Oh, yeah. okay. Um, so before we move on to your, your current projects, which is the Home Shopping Network, HSM, which has been amazingly successful. It's, uh, I haven't seen your name up in lights, but I saw your name up on the TV guide, which to me is equally as impressive. So let's, I just want to... <laughs> I just want to go back to... Um, to <laughs> so, go on, Sam. <laughs> I just want to go back to talking, hearing more about the press jungles because I know there's been a bit, a bit of your life, and I, and I oh, can yeah. only imagine yeah. the chaos that ensues on those things. Look, first off, what a charmed and grace, grateful. Sorry, first off, how charmed a life it's been being a celebrity hairdresser, and how grateful I am to being offered the world at the highest level. You know, yeah. when you when I travel, you know, with press junkets, you know, we travel business class, we're put up at the best hotels, we're taken to the best restaurants in every city, and we meet great people. And and I've been very blessed to travel with some of the most iconic actresses of generations and being with them intimately and and seeing how they are as human beings and, and, and going out for dinners with them, going to bars, just having a great time. And I remember, you know, in those days, you know, what's just coming into my mind right now is in the heyday of it all, <clears throat> because everything's kind of changed now because social media has really grown and it's changed the game of everything, as we were talking about before. Was that, I, you know, one month I'd be traveling with a movie with Cameron and we'd be traveling all through Europe and then I'd fly back to Los Angeles and then I'd go and get my clothes washed and then I'd get on a plane and go to Tokyo because I had to pick up another movie, Press Junket, with Rachel Bilson. And I remember being on the plane with Rachel, we were... we were flying into Tokyo and she goes, what do you think about a bang? And I was just like... Yeah, hell, why not, man? Let's let's kind of bang, you know, jet lag, kind of, you woo. And so I just remember, you know, in those days you could have scissors on a plane. <laughs> there wasn't any. Oh, right. So you actually yeah. cut bangs yeah. into hair yeah, on well, the plane. Many wow. times, many times, private jets <laughs> or commercial airlines, I have done hairstyles on people walking through customs that right. are straight into something. Right. Now, that, yeah. is, that is not something, that is a norm. Yeah. And. I remember, you know, then we, when you, if anyone who knows, when you walk into Tokyo Airport, paparazzi, paparazzi are actually allowed to be at the gate. 
Yeah, it's a very oh rare, right. Yeah. Not the gate, on the soon other as side you of, get off wow, the plane, soon as you get off the plane. <laughs> and like, so I remember very Beatles again. Yeah, so I didn't know this. Right. So she walks out with this new do right. that just suddenly explodes in Soul Magazine. Like, how? Why did you do that? Oh, like, amazing! Like it went went viral. Right. And I was just like going, oh, you know, I just like we just cut her hair. We like, just cut some bangs. She wanted in. a bang. <laughs> right. And so I remember that was just a unique moment of how. How something which was so rushed that turned into something that became so iconic. Right, and it's the amazing. only time she's actually really had a bang. Um, but I also remember times with Cameron where... Uh, we, Cameron Diaz. For yeah, those Cameron. Uh, similar kind of things where we've been travelling so much and just travelling around the world and we come to an end of a tour and... I remember we're just so tired, and we're just like, you know, let, let's go out and have a have a drink, and, and we're and let's go out and have a drink. And again, the same thing. We're actually we're finishing it in Tokyo, and um, I remember I was just sitting there, and the guys at this teppanyaki place have these huge paddles, but they have that the 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 Japanese kind of headbands they tie around. And for some reason, I was jet lagged and crazy, and for some reason, I just turned to Cameron and I just said. I was born to run. I was born to please. <laughs> the crazy. I just had Lover Boy because I remember Lover Boy. Right, right, yeah. Of and next thing, Cameron and I get up on the table and start singing, <laughs> Turn Me Loose. Turn Me Loose. That's and everyone fantastic. in the restaurant's going, Woo! Oh, you're kidding. That must have been amazing. Uh, it was. And, you know, that's what I'm saying. It was charmed and I'm blessed and grateful. It, yeah. Because you know, like I have many that. stories like that, you know. Yeah, those sorts of moments are just you know are, are amazing. And what, what's she like? She's, is she is she? I, I I hope that she is as her public persona is. She doesn't seem to be too different from what you see uh, you know in public. There's no more. There's no one more real, right? Than her. She yeah. is exact. And you know what's great about Cameron? Mm. And this is what I love about Cameron is people don't understand. She was a model. Yeah, yeah, of course. And yeah. she was a catalog model. And yeah. catalog models, and you know this, John. Yeah. They travel the world everywhere doing catalogs. Yeah. And a lot of the time, a lot of catalogs she did was in Sydney. She loved Sydney. Oh, okay. Yeah. Right. So being from Sydney, yeah. she felt really com- We had this comfortability. She knew what a, a good s- rapport. Yeah. And so she really got it. Right. You know, she always, she, she always was more of an actress. Than, sorry, she was more of a model than an right. actress. Right. Which is cool. Yeah. And that's always loved her about that. She always kept the feet on the ground. Oh, good. Good, good, good. Um, so let's let's move on to the present day and uh, and, and and your your latest venture, which was your own uh, range of products called Campbell Macaulay Celebrity Star, which is available on HSN. Well, how it all started, you know, going back to Catherine McPhee, you know, with that big hairstyle, um, it came to the attention of a, a, a quite an icon in hair care, a girl called Donna Federici. She basically created a brand uh, with a guy called Michael O'Rourke called Big Sexy Hair. And that's why Catherine McPhee was asked to be the spokesperson of it because of her big sexy hair. Um, And so I started talking with Donna and Donna basically, um, you know, asked me to to see if I would be interested in getting, getting, instead of being behind the camera, getting in front of the camera and selling hair care because... I'm sure that didn't take much convincing to get you into the front, in front of the camera. Oh, I was so shy, Jonathan. <laughs> yes, the very I was yeah. so very shy. shy. I was a very shy, very boy shy young from boy. North Shore, Sydney. You know. <laughs> Not at all. I was like, yeah, let's do it, baby. <laughs> uh, I can do that. And so, and so, um, so she said to me, "There's a brand that would like a spokesperson, and they're launching a, a product with uh, a straightening iron." And so I was like, "Yeah, sure, no problem. Straightening iron is easy to straighten hair." So we went down to HSN and we launched it. We sold out, and the rest is kind of history. You know, I kind of be- I started realizing, you know, I can do this, and I started also getting calls from the top people at HSN and infomercial companies saying. You've got something which we want, which yeah. was being a, a true celebrity hairdresser. Yeah. Not someone who says, oh, I do celebrities, and but I'm a true celebrity hairdresser. Yeah. My reputation speaks for yeah, itself. Absolutely. That actually can sell. Right. And so yeah. <laughs> hence why I came up with the brand Campbell Macaulay Celebrity Style. Yeah. Was because it was, if there was one person that could talk about what is, and since we've been talking about it for the last hour, what is celebrities, what is celebrity style, then that's how I conceptualized the brand. It was very much Campbell Corley's how do, how do people want, get celebrity styles? Yeah. So that's, that's how it all formed. 
And now I'm proud to say we have our, an hour TV show every two months, which uh, is the uh, Campbell Macaulay Hour. So uh, I guess... Uh, oh, it's great. And, I, and, I, and I've <laughs> sat there and watch, watched it uh, a couple of times and you are a, a, an absolute natural... Um, in front of the camera and... Um, I'm still uh, waiting for your notes. You, you always <laughs> critique. You're never shy of your opinion. <laughs> Listeners, I'm sure you'll realise that long as you listen more and more to my cousin. I'm here to help. Oh. Yeah, no, actually, actually, that is true about you. That is true. But I, I, you told me a story earlier about... Um, I uh, on one of your early times on live on live television with your with your hair straightener. <laughs> I tried to avoid that one, son. <laughs> <laughs> I remember bringing out a curling iron, which was uh, it was cutting edge. It was where you could twirl it around. It you could twist it while you were working it, so you didn't have to worry about having four hands. You could just do it with your two hands. And I made it really, really long, extra long. And um, extra long barrels, which was, I think, always what curling iron should be because it fits more hair on it. And so I, I was uh, getting ready to launch this and um, the person before me was selling a hair shampoo. And I won't mention any names because I love him <laughs> to death. And uh, he was selling a hair shampoo. And uh, if anyone who knows what it's like trying to sell shampoo on live TV, it's virtually impossible simply because how do you show a wow factor on wet hair? Right. You're just showing suds. Right. And so, so I'm thinking, <laughs> okay. True. And so I remember, you know, this person had to sell 10,000 units out. And by the end of his 45 minutes, because I had the back end of the hour, uh, he only sold 35. What, 3,500? 35 units. Oh, 35. 35 units. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm thinking, I walk out, go, hey, here we go. Okay, <laughs> getting the energy juice. I remember the hosts look at me going, I don't think anyone's watching right. and good luck. Right. So I just was like, okay, I'm going to give the Campbell Macaulay <laughs> razzle dazzle. Well, anyway, we uh, we did well. We sold them out. Like, wow. I, yeah, we sold, I think we sold about 6,500 in about... I think it was in about 30 minutes. Um, and what was really hard was in that first show, because I was so nervous, because I didn't know if anyone was watching, and I was like, God, I don't want to tank. <laughs> um, I, as I grabbed the curling iron from the table to show a demonstration, as I was talking to the camera, I reached down and totally grabbed the ceramic hot barrel. Oh, no. And, so <laughs> and burn my hand while I'm looking live, <laughs> deep in the camera, like sweating, going, cool to the touch. <laughs> cool to the touch cool as to you're touch. searing your hand. Searing Third my hand. degree burns. So understand, everyone, that for the next, when you do HSN, you do a day and it's 24 hours. You'll start at midnight, you'll do a 12 o'clock show, you'll do a 3 o'clock in the morning show, you'll do a 9 o'clock in the morning show. You do it at three o'clock, so you have breaks. So I did that on the first show. So my hand was swelling up. I was in so oh. much pain. By the time the, the day finished, oh, no. I, <laughs> believe me, there was many of tequilas by the uh. end. But it was, yeah, it was, it was. It, that was a, that was a unique experience, which I will never do again. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of like that experience when I did my first hairdressing competition, son. Oh, the one that old, you love. Oh, an old favourite story of mine. <laughs> yes. Okay, Campbell, uh, this is one of my favourite stories. Now, am I going to tell this or, or are you going to tell it? <laughs> no, I'll tell it, thank okay. you very much. Right. But I'm sure you'll mine chime in. Mine might be in. a little bit more embellished. Yeah, so this really created, this really was the start of my career. I was 15 years of age doing an apprenticeship. I started when I was 14, just if anyone's interested. Um, and in those days, I was in Sydney, Australia, and I was working in the city. And I was very into hairdressing competitions. And, my uh, and what is, <laughs> how do you competitively hairstyle? I bet, like, do you all given the, the same hairstyle to, put, to do? Or like, how does it work? Because, like, for most people, this seems like a very odd, odd thing. <laughs> I can't believe it's it. not exactly I can't the Olympics. Believe I'm telling this story. So no, here we go. The world's gonna know. It's coming out now. Everyone knows this story who works with me and always has cries. Basically, hairdressing competitions where you have 45 minutes to do a haircut that they submit to you to do. And the best one who does it wins. The second right. best, third best. That's it. 
and that and then then there's many different sort of competitions. There's hair styling, there's hair cutting, there's men's hair cutting and women's hair cutting. I was doing women's hair, women's short haircuts, right? Which I was quite good at. Um, and um, my parents are so proud of me that they invested in buying a very state of the art Japanese uh, razor sharp scissors. Well, weren't they the ceramic scissors? No, no, oh, sorry, they, they were the... stainless steel, but they were okay. yamakasa. They were like oh, right. handmade. Right. You could shave. They were sharp. Right. You right. Could cut razor neither. sharp. Razor sharp. And then my dad's like, "Off you go, son. Go <laughs> on." And so I'm like, "All right, dad." So my first my first competition I did was in Newcastle, which is north of Sydney, um, where <clears throat> you know I had to do a short haircut. So we started it off. Time's going and, well. And if I may, Newcastle is not exactly the centre of the hairdressing world. <laughs> this is a bit of a regional competition. Yes, it's very regional, regional, and uh, a little backwards. But sorry, all you Newcastle people. <laughs> um, but no, I'm only joking. Um, so. So we, the haircut was going well. I remember them saying, 10 minutes left, 10 minutes left. And I'm thinking, I'm finished. This is fantastic. I'm finished. This cut looks amazing. And then I, I'm thinking, oh, I'll just trim up here. I'll do this. I'll do that. And, I'm yeah. like, and then I just suddenly see five minutes. Yeah. And I'm going, oh, God. And I just suddenly see around the ear a little bit of hair. And I'm going, oh, God, shit. I'll pick up the scissors. Yeah. And I accidentally... Uh, glide the scissors straight through the top part of oh, the ear no. and literally snip it off. Oh no! You chopped off the top <laughs> of her ear. <laughs> I chopped off half her ear. Well, if, any, if anyone's ever seen <laughs> Campbell cut, and he tends to leave this out, he he likes to get the scissors and he goes chop 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 chop. So he's getting the scissors and he's like chop 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 chop. Like I've always imagined him on stage with the finished. Haircut, being very proud of himself. He's got this. He's got this one. It's like a wide receiver running for the line with the ball, <laughs> showboating, and then dropping it right on the end. He goes chop, 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 and chops off the top of this poor girl's ear. But the scissors are sh- so, so sharp, sharp, yeah, that she doesn't feel it. She doesn't feel it. But then I remembered my trainer, my mentor at the time, saying, "If you cut anything on show, grab hairspray." <laughs> And I imagine this is for a small nick, not actually amputating the top of someone's ear. <laughs> so I'm like grabbing... Yes, exactly, by the way. Uh, I grab the hairspray and I'm... Next thing, the girl goes... What the fuck? What the fuck? And I'm going, oh, fuck, fuck. It starts oozing out like Mount Vesuvius. Blood is going down. (laughs) I suddenly look up while all this is happening at the crowd of, say, I reckon there'd be about 500 people in the audience. Or more, actually, it'd be 1,000. And I remember everyone, like, you ever go to a party where a DJ scratches a record (laughs) and then everyone's just, mouths are open, like, I don't think I've ever seen his, what? She then runs through the crowd. It's everyone's oh dead God, silent. Oh, really? <laughs> Even the judges. <laughs> we ran over the last two minutes. It kept clock kept going. He oh. was jumped. I then, as Beaker from the Muppets, go like, <laughs> like run to the men's <laughs> toilet where I lock myself in the oh, cubicle. No. And as everyone walked, I must have been there for an hour. As everyone's walking in, they're going, "Did you see that?" Oh guy? no! Oh, so you're in the cubicle, and people are coming in talking about it. <laughs> talking about oh. it, and I'm going, "Oh shit! I'm ruined! I'm ruined! Oh. I, 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 what am I going to do? I'll be an accountant? What should I do? Hairdressing's over. <laughs> this is over." And so I remember oh. getting the nerve to walk out of the uh, bathroom, the, the toilet where uh, a colleague of mine from the salon I was working on, I go, God, Campbell, there you are. You're there. Oh, my God, we're looking everywhere for you. Oh, and I'm like no. going, what, what, what? She goes, your model's in the hospital. Oh, no. Your model's in the hospital, but you're, but they're looking for the bit of the ear. He oh, can no. fix it. We don't oh, have a shot. No. And I'm going, oh, I don't know. I think I, I, think I flicked it on the stage oh, no. somewhere. So I go up to get my stuff, which is on the side of the stage. I open up my kit and stuck. Oh no! Stuck to my brand new Yamakasa, very sharp scissors is a is a bloodied blue and purple oh, coloration of an ear. God. So naturally, I go found it. Oh. <laughs> Oh my god! And so the, the piece of ear. Did you have like a, some a leftover drink with some ice in it that you just chucked it in or something <laughs> to get it out? Actually, I think they did. Oh, do that. 
That's hilarious. Well, well, we, we can obviously see that Campbell's career was not over after um, amputating the top of someone's oh ear live in front of, uh, you know, a thousand people. And he is here today. And, and just to finish off, because we've had a good chat, I'd like if you could just tell us a bit more. Tell us about your product and your, your experience on, on HSN. Tell us actually what you, what you are selling on there. Well, what I'm selling is basically uh, innovative, um, cutting-edge um, hair care products, from wet products to electrical products. Um, they all have an edge. Uh, what it's fueled by is infomercials. I'm in the infomercial business now, and I've done now two, I'm doing my third interview, f third um, in infomercial. My first one, which is coming out uh, this fall, um, is a three-quarter du uh, dual ionic styling brush, which is a brush that can curl hair, wave hair, and straighten hair. Um, and then I have also a teasing comb, which is state-of-the-art, which allows you to tease hair, give volume, without having all the frizz. And right. that's a unique thing for a teasing comb. Because right. when you teasing comb, you think ball, fluff, fluffy balls in your hair. Right. Um, and so with the products that I'm using, actually, they're quite revolutionary. Uh, I'm not, not a big fan of uh, lower sulfates, which are the sudding agents of shampoo. Um, so I've taken those out and I've added um, certain cleansing ingredients. Like if you had water filters, how they take out the trace minerals and the chlorine right. to purify the water. I've added those in the products. In, into which product? Into the, the cleansing shampoo that I have. Oh, okay. And the styling products. And oh, what's okay. so unique about that is, right. is that... And are the, is the shampoo, uh, is that started selling yet? Or uh, yeah, you, yeah, yeah. We're, oh, we're okay, right. HSM. Oh, okay. It's doing very well at HSM, which I'm very proud of. And if you want to go to Camel Macaulay Celebrity Style at hsn.com, you can see my full range. And but basically, yeah, they're 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 innovative because. Can they, you give us that uh, website again? Um, Camel Macaulay uh, Celebrity Style, and it's at hsn.com. Great. Yeah, so I'm really proud of it, and I, I hope everyone who's listening will go and try it. And I know that when you try it, you'll love it. And if you missed uh, Campbell on his live shows or, or see one of his interviews, you can go onto hsn.com and actually see the, you can, see the show. You can go to hsn.com, type in my name, and every product will have the show on it. And also, if you want to go to cmstyle.com, that's my own website, you'll see the infomercials, and you'll see that lovely B-roll we did, son, walking down <laughs> Hollywood right. Boulevard. Yeah. Here we go. <laughs> So let's finish up. It's been great talking to you, Campbell, yeah, and, and, and I'm really excited to, 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 for you to, to be here on, on, Fairf on Radio Fairfax as one of my, my first guests. Uh, and you can didn't you tell me that. <laughs> <laughs> let's run through your social media. What's your Instagram accounts? My Instagram accounts is my name, is uh, Campbell McCauley, at Campbell McCauley. And that's at C-A-M-P-B-E-L-L. M C A U L E Y. Excellent. So, so follow Campbell on Please. Instagram and, and friend him up on Facebook. And that's great. And thank you very much for joining us, Campbell. This has been great and very interesting and, and really good fun talking to you. And thanks for joining us here at Daddy OFM. And thank you to Campbell for doing such a great job on our pilot episode. Don't forget to tell your friends and please rate us and write a review on iTunes. It really helps to grow the show. Join us in the new year for brand new episodes. We have lots of great guests lined up. We're looking forward to 2016. We are ready to go. Happy New Year, everyone. Taking us out is Loverboy with Turn Me Loose. <laughs>